Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verse 10. We've been talking about uh, the game changer and how prayer changes things in our life. Listen to what Paul writes to the people in Ephesus. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his strength and in his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand in the day of evil and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in my, in my opening, my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an, an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Father, we thank you for your word today. We pray you would just pour it into our spirits today and just let us be transformed by it in Jesus' name. Amen. By the time Paul writes this, he has been surrounded by Roman soldiers uh, for years. He'd seen them growing up, he had been held in prison uh, by them. He had been chained to them. He was keenly aware of the Roman soldier. Now, what we have here, uh, what we have here is an armor, uh, is the armor of a knight. Now, there's a direct line, a direct correlation between the Roman soldier and the armor of a knight. The knight was more extensive. Think. Model T to modern uh, BMW. That's, that's kind of the difference. Now, for the, for the night, uh, precise measurements are taken so that each, uh, round, each uh, suit of armor is made perfectly for that night. And it, it's made so they can move in it and it's made so they can be protected. It's made by a craftsman who knows how to prepare the steel. The armor is put in a forge and it is tempered. It is, not, it, it is made with a pre precise temperature. If it's not made with precise temperatures, then when somebody hits it with something, instead of protecting the night, it shatters and it falls apart, and they're not protected by it. But if it is made, I'm going to borrow the knight's sword. Thank you, thank you. Oh, isn't that sweet? <laughs> I needed this when I was raising kids, I'll tell you that. If, it is, if, it's, made, if it's made precisely, and it's made right, 
then it protects uh, the person in armor. In fact, if it's made correctly, it's impervious to arrows. Arrows can hit it. In fact, we were talking before, if they were in bed, he would bow his head just a little bit and the arrows would glance off of the suit of armor. Instead of harming the person in it, they would just walk right through it. Knives can hit it and it won't do anything. And I can take a sword and if I were to, to do so, I could whack him with that and it, there's not even a mark on the armor. He's protected from it. Now, Paul, step up here. Paul, <laughs> Paul doesn't have any armor on. Let's see what happens when we whack the guy without any armor on. Now, that's not cowardice, is it? That is good life awareness to say, I'm not wearing any armor. I need to get out from behind this thing and not, not be hit for it. Each piece of armor is made to protect the person being attacked. So if I hit the knight, nothing happens. If I hit Paul, bad things happen, right? Here's what we need to understand today. Here's what I want you to capture. You are in a spiritual battle. Paul doesn't say, oh, if you're in a wrestling match with the enemy or if you're in a battle with the enemy. He says you are in a battle with the enemy. You're in a battle against powers and principalities. The enemy doesn't want you to know that, and if you're slightly aware of it, that's all he wants you to be. He just wants you to slightly pay attention to it. He wants you to be a thoughtless victim to his attacks on your life. And I want to tell you, you ignore this battle and you, and you neglect the armor at your own risk. It's not a matter of if you will be harmed. It's a matter of how you're going to be harmed. Can we thank our, our knight for coming out and joining us today? And... Got it? Now, he's going to go over to the children's department and talk with them a little bit, and, uh, and they'll have a good time, and then he'll be out in the entryway afterwards. If anybody wants to get their picture taken with him, any kids want to get your picture taken with him, you can. Uh, he's a part of a group that actually uh, travels around the world in competitions with other countries, uh, and they represent the United States. Now, think about this. Where is our battlefield? Well, the first battlefield all of us have is with us. The enemy attacks us. The, the second battlefield you've got to be aware of is your family. The enemy is going to attack your family, your children, your grandchildren. The enemy wants to wrestle against the church and move the church away from the middle of God's will, and the enemy is working in our culture. So how does the enemy attack us? We read here in, in this passage about the belt of truth. For the Roman soldier, the belt, of, the belt held everything in place. It held the armor in place. It held the weapons in place. It held everything in place. And they would have known that. They would have been aware of that. The, the, uh, so Paul talks about 
the belt of truth. The, our belt of truth is the word of God, the truth of the message of the gospel. We ignore the word. We let outside things influence the word in our life and how we see the word at our own peril. We've got to be able to stand clearly, solely upon the truth of the word of God. You have the breastplate of righteousness. The breast, breastplate protects the heart. It protects the vital organs. And what Paul's saying to them is when we live and do what the Word teaches us to do, that walking in obedience to God protects us from destruction. But continuing in sin and continuing in things and in actions and values that are not in line with the Word of God opens me and my family up and my church up, my country up, to spiritual attack that can destroy me. When I ignore the word and make excuses for my actions or my belief, it, it leaves me vulnerable. It leaves me like the unarmed person, the unarmored person before the world. Jesus would say, I'm building my house on the sand, and when the storm comes, I'm going to crash. You ignore the call to righteousness. Being a person who values the right things and walking in righteousness as our own, at our own peril. He talks about the shoes and, and, and the, the readiness of the gospel. When the Roman soldier would go into battle, many times they would drive through the, their sandal, through their shoes, they would drive nails through them like we would cleats so that when they were going uphill or when they were going on slippery turf or when things were wet and damp and they could slip and fall, they wanted to be able to dig their feet in and keep them from slipping. The gospel is good news, the good news of the gospel. What, what the gospel offers us, this relationship with God, this reconciliation with God, that all are welcome who come to him and that we stand ready to be transformed, keeps us from slipping, keeps us walking in the fullness of God's wisdom. In Ephesians 6, 16, he says, in all circumstances, think of that, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil. And like we said, we had a knight's armor here, and this knight's armor covers, is, is much more advanced than the Roman armor. It covers them, and the, the darts would literally skip off of their helmets or off of the, it was made so that it would deflect things. And, but in the Roman times, they didn't have that. They had a shield. And that shield, they could carry that shield and they could get down behind it. It would protect them. They could lock it. They could connect it with other shields so they would move in unison and be able to push in unison. And so Paul writes and said, all those people would have seen that and known that. They would have known the unity that would come with that shield. Faith is built by the Word of God, and we find strength in the Word of God, and we find strength in the community of believers that whatever lie of the enemy, whatever destructive voice of the enemy would come against us, instead of it penetrating and impacting our life, instead of the push of culture and the push of the world swaying us, moving, off, moving us off center, beginning to accept things as right, that are really wrong, 
Instead of that happening, when we are founded in the word and we have this shield of faith, instead of those things penetrating us and hurting us, they're going to skip off of us and be broken off of of us. There's a push today against against Christians to compromise our morals and what, what the Bible says is right. It's like a current that wants to push us and to accept things that the Bible says is clearly wrong. And yet if we keep this, this, this shield of faith in front of us, trusting God above all else, then we see through the eyes of our Savior instead of the eyes of the world. Faith protects us from compromise and dismissing faith puts us at peril. The helmet of salvation. What happens at salvation? At salvation, we become aware of our sinfulness. At salvation, we become aware that we have fallen short of the glory of God. At at, at salvation, we become aware that we're not saved because of our parents' faith or because we went through a class and were confirmed by somebody. We become aware of the condition of our spirit. We become aware that the way we've been doing things, the way we value things, and our our sense of right and wrong has been askew. We become aware that we have been bound in some habits and some attitudes and some values that are wrong. We become aware that we have been ugly in many ways, that we've been hurtful in many ways. We become aware that we have fallen short of the glory of God. And at that moment, we become aware that we can do nothing to change that, that we have fallen so far from the grace of God, so far from the relationship with God, that all that's left for us is judgment. But at salvation, we see the hope that is offered in Christ. We put our faith not in any of our works. We put our faith in Jesus to be our Savior. We surrender our heart to him so that he can change us and remake us. We invite his presence into our life to convict us and to guide us. And we begin this, we are instantly born again, and we begin this process of growing in Christ and being transformed by him. The enemy is always trying to change that judgment. He's always trying to twist us away from that awareness. He's always wanting to tell us, no, you're just fine how you are. Everything is just okay. He's trying to, he's trying to take your head. He's trying to destroy you. What we need to do is rest in the work of Christ. And as we rest in the work of Christ, we are protected from the attack. The sword which is the word of God, is, our, is, the, is an offensive weapon. When Jesus faced temptation, he would counter with these words. When the enemy would try to tempt him to do something, he would say, it is written. He would go to the word. He would use the word against the temptations of the enemy, which is exactly what we're supposed to do when this world tries to get us to give in to its, desi- to the, to its desires, or the flesh tries to get us to give in to its desires, 
We are to go and stand on the Word. The Word gives us hope. The Word gives us direction. The Word gives us offensive power to attack the corruption of our heart, the despair of our heart, the unbelief of our heart, the pride of our heart, the hatefulness of our heart, the worldliness of our heart. It's the Word of God that comes into us and cuts those things away and gives us freedom. We counter every thrust of the enemy with the Word. I want to tell you, we are called to engage in the battle. Not to be unaware of it, but to engage in it. Ephesians 6 says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the devil's schemes. We are called to be strong. Not in our strength. Whose strength are we supposed to be strong in? In the might of His power. In the strength of His might. We go in the power of God. Now how do we do that? At the very end of this passage, he begins to talk to us about this very, very important part. Listen to what he says in verse 18. Praying at all times. With all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Making supplication for all the saints. And he goes on, he says, And also for me that the words that are given me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. This, this verse flows right out of this call to spiritual preparedness. That we are to be a people spiritually prepared and we become spiritually prepared as we walk in the strength of his might. If we took this armor up here today and we just stacked it up without anything inside of it, it wouldn't do much good for us. We could knock it over, we could push it away. But when that armor gets put on and there's strength within the armor, then that armor becomes a force that can not only withstand attack, but that can fight back. It is in prayer that we engage in the battle. Until we've learned to pray, the enemy may be whacking away at us, and you may be fully armored, and you may be fairly protected, but you're going to get tired before long of getting whacked on by somebody. But when you begin to pray, you begin to engage in the battle. It's interesting that in prayer, he doesn't, he doesn't paint any armor for prayer. Why? Because prayer is the armor. Prayer is the force. Prayer is the strength that allows us to move forward. It is in prayer that we stand up in the power of his might. And so my question for you today is very simple. Are you engaged in the battle? The battle's happening. The enemy's attacking. Are you engaged in it? Have you stepped up in it? He talks to us here about praying at all times. He talks to us about praying in the Spirit, letting, our, letting the Spirit of God in us lead us in prayer. He says praying all types of prayers, prayers of thankfulness, prayers of request, prayers of protection, prayers of direction, prayers of deliverance. And he says for, for us, keep alert and persevere. 
Today we've dedicated two babies. Really, the parents make a dedication. They make a dedication to raise this child to the best of their ability to know and to love and serve God. And I want to tell all of us as parents, we don't engage really in that battle until we begin to pray for those children on a daily basis. Until we come and we become alert and aware. Think about this. Alert and aware of how the enemy is trying to influence the thinking and the spirit of my child. I become aware of it. I, become to, I begin to see and pay attention to what they're valuing. I begin to pay attention to what they're being influenced by. I begin to pay attention to what is moving their life. And I recognize that this isn't just a matter of, oh, I'm going to take the cell phone away from them for a week. This isn't just a matter of, I'm going to keep them away from that person. This isn't just a matter of, I'm going to talk to them at dinner about that attitude. This is a matter of maybe doing all of those things but also really engaging in the battle and beginning to pray for that child that the heart of God will live within them and that the influence of the enemy will will stay away from them. Our prayers are powerful. Our prayers make a difference. And our prayerlessness is weakness. And our prayerlessness makes a difference difference we are called to keep alert and we are called to persevere in the battle this is why these last weeks we've been talking to you about making an appointment with God set a time aside every day look at these things in our life and make an appointment with God build your prayer list you know I would tell you that one of the things on that prayer list you need to pray for yourself The enemy wants to influence your thinking. The the enemy wants to impact how you see the world. The enemy wants to impact your values. He wants to play against the weaknesses of your flesh. We we find David praying this prayer, create in me a clean heart, O God. We find Paul asking for this prayer, pray that I'll be filled with boldness. We find the New Testament church, as, as our speaker talked last week in Acts chapter 4, praying, God, give us a boldness to be your witness. Why? Because the enemy wants to push us away from right moral values. The enemy wants to get us in the current of a world that doesn't know God and push us away from godliness. But the enemy wants to impact our life and our thinking. And our flesh is weak. And we go in the might of God's power when we come before God and we begin to pray, God, deliver us from the evil one. Deliver me from the evil one and his influence. We pray for our family. We put our family on our prayer list. We, we write their names down. We, we put them there. And we, we begin to pray for them. God, let them know you. Let them know your will. Let them love you. Let your spirit be upon them. Protect them from the hand of the enemy. Move in their life. Call them to you. Speak to them. Keep them soft and open before you. Don't let the hardness of the enemy impact their life. I'm telling you, friends, that's better than grounding them. Now, doesn't mean they don't need grounded sometimes. You may have to make some, some decisions. But if all we do is make decisions and it doesn't have the might of the power of the Spirit of God in it, then we've got unoccupied armor 
We're trying to build a safety net for them. We're trying to teach them something, and we don't have the power of the lesson coming into their life. We pray for our church because the enemy, one of the, one of the goals is always to bring disunity in the church. It's always to get the church to compromise doctrinal truth. It's always to get the church to not believe in the power of God and to just be kind of, you know, these uh, Americanized Christians that go to church and, you know, dress up just right, but don't walk in the power of God. Don't walk in the anointing of God. Don't understand the purpose of God for the church. And in that, he can disrupt the church and blow it apart. And part of what needs to be on our prayer list is to pray for our country, for our country to come to the fullness of Christ and against the influence of the father of all lies. Why do we fail? Why are we weak at times? Why don't our words really penetrate our kids' lives and then really get it? Why, why, do, why do some of our children rebel against the things of God? instead of having a love and a fear for God? Why don't we see the fruit in life that we want to see in the things of God? Why are, why are we held captive at times by sin? Why does our culture run from God instead of running to God? Why do we come under the influence of the enemy? Why aren't my kids hungry and passionate for God? Is it because God is weak? Is it because God is stumped? Oh, I don't know what to do about that. Is it because God has been overcome by the, the force of culture or the force of this world? No, friends, I'm telling you, it's none of those things. I, I, want, to, I want you to see three reasons we're not seeing the promises of God sometimes in our life. One is when you don't have the armor on yourself. No matter what our good intentions are, if we don't have the breastplate of righteousness on, no matter how good our intentions are, if we don't have the shield of faith and we're not walking it, we are vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. The enemy attacks our hypocrisy. The enemy attacks our unfaithfulness. The enemy has an inroad into our life when our minds are confused about salvation and the hope of salvation. The enemy has an inroad into our life in those moments. And we may come to this point where we, we think, wow, I wish my family was in a healthier place or I wish our country was in a healthier place. But when we are not walking in the full armor of God, we are susceptible to the enemy's attack. We've got to put the armor of God on. We fail sometimes simply because we're not engaged in the battle. You're in it. Maybe you've begun to see it. Maybe somebody you love has been making terrible choices that are harmful to them, and you're like, can't they see? Why don't they see how bad this is? Why don't they see how they're destroying themselves? Why don't they want to get free? Why do they keep running back to that? Why do they keep making these terribly bad decisions that anybody around them that has any lick of sense can tell them these are wrong. Why do they run to people that advise them to do that instead of the people who have proven with their life? Why is this? 
Have you engaged in the battle? I mean, really, spiritually, have you engaged in the spiritual? Our, our fight is not against flesh and blood. Our fight is against powers and principalities, against things that would influence and hold and influence our children's lives or influence our country, influence our world. Why is our world going the way that it's going? Friends, I want to tell you, I, I think it's going the way it's going because of the prayerlessness of the church. Because we haven't engaged, the church across the country has not engaged in the battlefield. We've let our nation, we've sat back and tried to be good Christians and nice Christians, and we haven't taken a a step and been Christians of faith and begun to say, I've got to pray for my country every day. I've got to lift up my voice before God for our country. See, we we don't engage in in the battle many times because we're just not desperate enough. And I'm telling you, friends, in America, it's time to get desperate. It's time for us to get desperate and begin to pray. And you may have children in a place where it is time to get desperate. And it is time to engage in the battle. Say, well, pastor, I think I have the armor on. I'm, I'm engaging in the battle. Then it comes to this moment of faith and timing. We pick up the shield of faith, and you know this. God is greater than anything we face. If I can say before God, I'm walking with a full armor on, I have engaged consistently in the battle, the answer is going to come. God is going to move. Come tomorrow night and pray with us. Come get other Christians to pray with you. Come and ask them about the thing that you're facing, the thing your family's facing, the thing that's going on in your life. Begin to engage in the battle. Begin to pray for our country. But here's the big deal. Make an appointment with God. Understand there's a spiritual battle going on. And engage in it. Start. Now listen, if you've never done that, I would tell you, set, you know, set 10 minutes aside and uh, say, okay, every day for 10 minutes. I, I, I'm going to promise you something. If you really begin to engage, it won't be long until 10 minutes won't be long enough. But when you get started, 10 minutes is going to seem like an eternity. Because the enemy is going to try to discourage you from praying in every way he can. That's why we say, make an appointment. Don't just say, well, I'll pray sometime today. No, make a time. Set a time. That time, every day, I'm going to go pray. I'm going to do it no matter what's going on. I'm not going to let anything else get in the way of it. I'm going to go take that time. First thing in the morning before I go to bed at night, nothing's going to get in the way. I'm going to take time during the day. I'm going to pray and seek God, and nothing's going to get in the way. Why? Because the enemy's going to try to get everything in the way of it. And now you know, I either failed today or succeeded today. You don't put your hand up, well, you know, Lord, you understand why I didn't pray today. It was a busy day. No, I, I can't worry. About, I, I, what I've got to worry about is engaging in the battle. Stepping up and beginning to take this time and beginning to seek God for the things that matter in this world to me. My own spiritual life. My family's spiritual life. My church's spiritual life. My country's spiritual life. Asking God to give me direction. Now listen, the first battle is the battle for your soul. Until you recognize the fullness of your need for Christ in your life, 
and you ask him to be the savior of your life, you're just susceptible to every attack of the enemy. Nobody can convince you. I could, I could give you all kinds of facts. I've said to you, give them all kinds of facts about Jesus, all kinds of facts about creation, all kinds of facts about stuff, but unless you open your heart to the Spirit of God, nothing, nothing's going to do. Unless the Spirit of God touches your life, nothing's going to get that job done. You've got to ask Christ to come into your life. Let's stand together today and let's pray. Father, we're thankful that when we enter into this battle, we will win because we go in your might and your power. We don't go into this battle hopeless. We enter into this battle filled with the joy of victory because we know you're going to win for us. But Lord, we know we need to engage in the battle. That you've called us to put on the full armor, to go in your strength of your might and to pray all kinds of prayers. And so I pray for this church today, Lord. I ask you to touch us and let us take this seriously. Let let our eyes be open to the seriousness of this moment. And let us engage in the battle. In Jesus' name we pray. Now, Father, for every person here today that knows you, I just pray that their spirit would rejoice in you. But, Father, if there's one here who's turned their back on you, they've walked away from you. This one here has never opened their heart to you. I pray you just touch their heart today by the touch of your spirit. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. And say, Pastor, today I'd like to get my heart right with God. Maybe you've wandered from God. Maybe you've never given your heart to Christ ever before. But today you'd like to get that right and get in the right place with God. If that's you, just raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, here I am. Pray for me. I'm giving just, just a second. Then we're going to move on to other things. But if you want to get right with God today, just raise your hand right now. Father, you know the condition of every heart in this room. You know those, Father, who uh, need a touch of you in their life. And, Father, who need to be born again. We just pray you draw us to you. Lord, draw every person to you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask all of our prayer teams to come down right now. And uh, I'm going to go stand right over.